0: It's cool story, cool story.
1: The wheel of time, the ultimate fantasy. It's cool story, cool story. Hey, we are like starting a whole new thing. A new spring, you might say. You might say that, and because we are, and it's
0: like spring is, spring is starting in like actual time. Spring has sprung. <laughs> I was avoiding saying that because spring of sprung to me is just like another variation of happy turkey day, gobble, gobble. Um, really? <laughs> I hate, <laughs> and you know, I hate happy turkey day. <laughs> Although now I've cu- it's kind of like come back into fashion for me. Like I hate it, it so much that I like hearing it now. <laughs> and is it like adulting or life hacks for you? Oh, yeah, just these phrases that I hate. Like, I feel as though... There is a person that exists in the world, yeah,
1: and it's this true. person yep.
0: is like, uh, <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> That's it.
0: <laughs> and this person is like the same person people refer to, and they're like, oh yeah, you know what they say. Like this imaginary person who's come up with like shortened lexicon terms that I don't like that everyone mm-hmm. is just caught on to, like adulting mm-hmm. and life hack and. I had a friend who said, "Happy Gobble Gobble day. Did you push them into traffic? We're no longer friends. That's not the reason, <laughs> but it's it just <laughs> cements the reason. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's pretty cool though, new spring, new book new uh it's actually spring.
1: I'm excited I know i the I, I think the time change is happening soon too.
0: yeah i you know I don't like to lose the hour, but I'm happy to have daylight.
1: yeah. Agreed. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I have anything, like, new that I've been watching, really, other than The Last of Us. But, you know, it's so new, (sighs) I don't want to spoil anything for people. I know. It's it's just... How many episodes are there going to be? Is it eight? Eight or nine. I can't remember.
0: There's only, like, one or two more, that means, which I'm very sad about. Yeah. I haven't played the game, but Davey has. And I know there's, like, sequels to the game. I can't
1: imagine that they're not going to continue this series. It's so good. Yeah, I think they are already talking about season 2.
0: Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I'm kind of rewatching a couple things. I'm rewatching Hacks on HBO. Oh, so funny. I love that show so much. I, I caught caught onto it sometime during quarantine and I just like became obsessed. And um, yeah. we're doing this thing, Davey and I, where we're making each other watch shows that we think the other will like. And Has so... he watched
1: Pose or did, did
0: he? I already yelled at him because I'm now okay, in season three of Pose. I just started season <sighs> three. You know I'm a slow watcher. Yeah. Um, but I, I watch in bursts. So is it,
1: season three is the last one, right? It's only yes. three seasons.
0: Yeah. Okay. I yeah. just started the first episode of season three, and I don't even I I literally got up to like the opening credits, and I was like, I'm pissed already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Davies, I already yelled at him on your behalf for not watching Pose yet, and Good. told him that's probably next on the list. Um, Good. But I'm making him watch Hack, so I'm rewatching that, which I love. And I think I heard they're making a season three. Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, good. Because I know it was immediately when it ended. It was like they would make a season three, but they're fine if they didn't. And I'm I, I, good, I'm glad they're making a third. I think they are. I, I think I, I was Googling around, and I didn't dig too deep, but it looks like they are. Googling around. Googling around, like an uh, uh, ancient relic. I think that's it, though. I'm not watching anything new other than Pose, which, I again, I just... I, I texted this to you a couple times through, through the weeks, but I, I'm not ready. Every week, I, I'm not ready to have a, a breakdown. Every yeah. week. I mean, I am ready, though, to be honest. That's yeah. why I'm watching it.
1: Unrelated, you just said Ancient Relic, and I mm-hmm. just had to share a little story. So I, for anyone who doesn't know, I work at a university, and so I, I work with the youths. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm interviewing students for a student position, and... It's uh, related to, like, social media and creating videos and things like that. And one of the students' cover letters literally used the phrase, quote, the olden days of Vine. And I was just like, I am so old, and I cannot believe you had the audacity to say that to
0: me. (laughs) I'm shocked. The olden (laughs) days of Vine? That hurts me on so many levels because—
1: Because Vine rem- feels like something after me, anyway. Yes,
0: I was just going to say, because when Vine came out, it was one of the last, um, like, new social media type of platforms yes. that I kind of uh, was on the cusp of, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was acceptable for me <laughs> to be into Vine, even though I didn't have it. I just watched the Vine videos on... Um, other platforms much like now i watch tiktok videos on
1: instagram <laughs> yes 2 days later yeah
0: oh that is hilarious
1: <sighs> yeah someone the other so. day...
0: this is how old i i felt the other day very related to that at work we were doing a meeting and my, my boss my h the guy in hr likes to ask a random question at the beginning of the like the company meetings and anyone who speaks has to answer the question so okay. um in february it was. Have you seen the movie Groundhog's Day? Um, and if you have, do you do you like it or not? Basically, or something like that, because it was on Groundhog's Day, I think. And uh, someone said, "Have you seen?" By the way, have you?
1: I have seen it. I haven't seen it since I was a child, but my I think my like recollection of it now is basically he spends like it's a movie of like Bill Murray sexually harassing women for <gasps> two hours and nothing happening. Oh my god, is it really? I think I think he spends like most of the movie like harassing women. Wow. And then like the day repeats itself until he like maybe <laughs> evolves a little bit as a human. Wow. Anyway, go ahead. I have
0: to watch it again and see.
1: Uh but yeah,
0: that's basically the concept of repeating day, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: every morning starts with a radio so- playing a song. And it's yes. the same song every day. Do you remember what that song is?
1: Oh, I don't. Okay.
0: Someone in the meeting said, first I'll tell you what they said, and then I'll tell you what the song is. They refer to this as the song from Groundhog's Day. Okay. And most people in the meeting only knew this song as the song from Groundhog's Day. Oh, God. Okay. It is I Got You, Babe by Sonny and Cher.
1: That's the song that plays at the beginning of every day? Yeah. And, and I got you, people, babe. Uh, they didn't know the title. I got you, babe. The, the entire
0: chorus is I got you, babe. <laughs> and it was, just, and share. I'm, I just, okay. I had a hard time. My look in my meeting, the face I had in the meeting every time someone said something was so obvious that my similarly <laughs> aged friends were messaging me like, is this making you sick <laughs> like it is me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh anyway. your face was not using its inside voice. Absolutely not. But you know what? I've kind of I've
0: kind of um leaned into that more at work. <laughs> and it's um it's enjoyed. I feel like it's yeah. enjoyed. Uh <laughs> for now. Well, I um I don't have anything else. Should we get into the book then? The brand new book. I'm ready. Yay. Should we Okay. So listeners, I'm not sure how this is going to come up on your feed. Yes, but we're gonna I think we decided we're gonna title this season zero. Yeah, because you know,
1: we're gone back. Otherwise, it like messes up the future book numbering kind of thing. Yeah,
0: so I the whole reason I brought this up was because I just don't know how it's gonna show up in people's podcast feeds. Like, is it gonna show up as like the new season? Or because I'm gonna title it season zero? Is it gonna start? Is it gonna show up correctly in people's podcast feeds Is my concern?
1: It's a good question and like so, will Buzz Buzzfeed or whatever Buzzsprout allow us to do a season 0?
0: I think so. Well, we'll try it. I'm going to try yeah. it. We'll see what happens. If I just want listeners out there to kind of let us be know. Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared and let let us know via email or if you're a part of our Discord channel, which if you're not, just email us and, you know, you can be. But yeah. let us know how it is showing up because I want it to be easy for everyone and if if it seems complicated, well, we'll just We'll make Adjust. it work.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was reading uh, the little sleeve of the book, and it's obviously very much about Moiraine and Lan. hmm And my first feeling was like, oh, yay. And then my second feeling is like, based on where we left off with the last book, if suggesting this book now is like paying homage to Softening a, the blow. Yeah. To a gone Moiraine forever. Um. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a band-aid big enough. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm, um, I'm starting off the book, chapter one, and the title is The Hook. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. And the little icon, is that a Sean Chan helmet? Uh, no, it's Lan's helmet. Oh, okay. I had a feeling it was a different helmet. So yep. have we seen this icon before? I think this is the first time. Oh, interesting. I've been looking forward to some new icons, because whenever I look up chapter icons, um, like when I looked up for the tattoo and such, I mm-hmm. always see ones that are like, New Spring exclusive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so we are starting with a land chapter. That makes sense. I was
1: like, oh, Shrongshan helmet, land? <laughs> might also be his first point of view. I think chapter. so.
0: I think we might have seen some moments of him in the early book. Yeah. We start out, it's like in the past, obviously, and the little sleeve of the book spoils it, but I'll I'll bury the lead. So it's in the past, it's very snowy, the atmosphere, the environment, and Lan is out on a battlefield after the fighting is temporarily over, and it's been three days of battling. Him and his men are camping out, or, you know, trying to make a camp, but... They're not going to make a fire because they're going to try to avoid attention from the Iel. Lan comes across a Domani sentry. There's, like, kind of a mix of people in this little army. Yeah. And this man is named Basram. Yes. And he's sort of, like, under Lan's command, I guess, it seems. Uh, he, he was dozing off against a tree and land's like, girl, get it together. Like not the time. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, sorry. I was just, uh, and he's like, it's okay. I get it. Um, yeah, but you would have been dead if, and I yell found you. So get away from the tree and, you know, get it together. Cause also it's so cold. It's so cold. How cold is it? It's so cold <laughs> that if if they stay motionless for too long in the same place, they're going to risk frostbite, which means amputation of their feet, which, you know, yeah. renders them kind of useless and, and yeah. dead. So <laughs> Renders them kind of useless and dead. I mean, really, if they're in the middle of a battle and they're footless, yeah. you know, they're not ready. They don't know how to be footless yet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Lan... Is just kind of like going through and and finding a a couple other people who are also on the edge of of sleeplessness. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone else has their weapons, but Lan has some extra protection because his sword is from the Age of Legends. It was forged out of, you know, uh, by Aes Sedai, and it can't be damaged. He still has that sword, right? It's just changed tilts over time or whatever they're called. But yeah. he's got this, you know, very legendary sword. And this is in the past. So it's interesting to hear things like this moment where Lan has heard that Aes Sedai are healing people down by the river.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like this whisper of Aes Sedai, which is so weird because when we meet Lan, he's already with Moraine, And when I knew that we were going back in time... I thought mm-hmm. we were going to go back in time, and Lan and Moiraine were already like on the mission together to find mm. Rand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't expect mm-hmm. that only this far back in time. Yeah, that they are where they are at. Just very surprising to me. Yeah. Um. So Lan is like, oh, what? he's heard Isidai are healing people down the river by the river, but he is kind of staying away because he thinks it's best not to get involved with Isildur. Uh, He thinks, quote, years later, you can find one of them had tied strings to you just in case she might have need. Aes Sedai thought far ahead and seldom seemed to care who they used in their schemes and how. And I thought, wow, who does this sound like? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder now at the last, I mean, in the end of last book, Lan is telling Rand how alike they are in... In context of like loving people and being dangerous and all of that. But I mean, yeah. look how alike they are because we're meeting Lan and he has the same feelings towards Aes Sedai. I mean, I mm-hmm. know that a lot of people do, like from far away, but he's not like in Podunk Emmons Field, you know? Right, right, right. So it's a. It's a. a Interesting kind of a mirror. change. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to see more mirrors. <laughs> so, uh, Lan and his army. They're, they're being called the Great Coalition or the Great Alliance. It's not just him, but they're part of this, I guess, bigger army. And they've been at it for days, fighting three days' worth, it seems like. Everyone is worn down. Um, he comes across more people who are sleepy. One's name is like Jamie, I think, or Jame, or Haim. <laughs> uh, not the group, <laughs> not the girl group. He tells them, you know, all to kind of like snap out of it yeah after a moment he decides to stop and confront a man who he has been tailed by he's been aware of it that he's been followed the whole time it's someone he knows but he's like okay enough is enough so he kind of stops and turns around and it's like why are you following me to the air (laughs) and someone named i'm gonna butcher this one Hokama. yeah (laughs) oh okay uh, Hukama comes out. I really liked that name, so I'm glad that's how you say it. Uh, yeah. He is a man who trained Lan, and he says that he's only watching his back, basically, because he's carelessly walking about. So, both he and Lan have their Malkir helmets on, and they both have that, like, um, cord tied around their head, Mm-hmm. And it says that Lan has a, like, crescent crest on his, and while the other guy could wear that as well, he doesn't have it above his. I just love seeing them in different—seeing cl- uh, Lan, like, not in warder clothes, you know? Yeah. And we learned that uh, we get a little piece of history that—maybe we heard versions of this, but 20 mia- miaukiri, <laughs> uh <laughs> folks were tasked with getting Lan to safety when he was a baby— Yes. Um, when Malkir fell, and of and they were tasked with, obviously, raising him. And of the 20 who were supposed to, like, escort him out safely, only five survived. And of the five that survived that journey and were there to, like, help rear him, only Hukama is left. Yep. So he's kind of like a father figure to him in my mind. Yeah. Lan asks him if he believes that the Aiel. He's, if he still has the suspicion that the Aeol have sworn their loyalty to the Dark One. And he's like, hell yeah, that's why we're here. So I'm still going with that. And he's, we learn that in the past two years that the Aeol have burned the city of Kyrian. And, like, pillaged through the land of Kyrian. Uh, they've fought through Tear and Andor. And they've now, like, made it outside of the walls of Tarvalon. Or the island of Tarvalon. And... That sounds very dark-friendly behavior to him. And it's also unusual because before this time, as we know from the books that we've read already, the Aeol haven't really cr- crossed the waist up until now for kind of ever. He keeps wondering if more information—Lan keeps wondering to himself throughout this chapter if there's any more information like about the history of what's happened before that would be helpful— Um, but he just keeps noting how the Aes Sedai kind of hoard their information, and they might have more information, but, you know, they just give it in trickles and drops. And I just kept thinking how it keeps reminding me of the Emmons Fielders, how they were when they met the Aes Sedai, and how, Mm -hmm. like, they have sort of untrustworthy and how frustrated it is to only get these little pieces. We hear how historians have noticed a pattern, though, that a thousand years seem to pass between these major cataclysmic, um, world-changing events, and I think the uh, examples given are the breaking of the world to the Trolloc wars was about a thousand years, and mm-hmm. then from then to the War of a Hundred Years was about a thousand years, um, and from then till current point in this book, it's been about a thousand years, and now the Isle are crossing the spine of the world, so. Did we know that already? A thousand years is like a kind of
1: number. <laughs> Did we know a thousand years is a number? <laughs> <laughs> like the time passing between all of these events? Um, I mean, I think we've it's been mentioned, hmm. but I, you know, I think they're trying to like see a pattern in it when there isn't really a pattern mm-hmm. in it necessarily. Gotcha. Or at least not the pattern they're seeing.
0: Yeah. So um, that's kind of where the the going. Uh, the going theory around, uh, among other historians who are in Aes Sedai. And then as he's kind of like, he's just thinking about all of this as he's walking with, um, what's his name? I just said it a million times. H- Hukama. Hukama. And he's checking around, like, the camp with everybody, when suddenly they sort of hear a lone horse coming out of nowhere, which, of course, they're on guard, but they realize it's just... Probably a messenger of some type because it doesn't sound like a eel or anything, they would have just killed them. Um, so they and not been on a horse and, and not been on a horse, true. So they it's a guy on a horse being led by one of their people. Uh, the guy on the horse is someone from Tyr because he's wearing this white plumed helmet, he smells like roses. Um, does do all people from tier wear this kind of stuff, or is this the same person? Or am I meant to believe this is the same person that we see later on in tier that has this smell? No,
1: middle? I don't think so. I think it's just kind of a you know a tier a people quality from of tier. these like
0: fancy hoity toity lords.
1: Yes, okay. and like stoop to. Too full of themselves to like think about the fact that the perfume would give them away right. in a battle. But okay,
0: I was just making sure because I'm always looking for these damn connections now because I know that the Forsaken <laughs> could be
1: any fucking person. <laughs> I don't think so. What's his name again? Uh, this guy, M. Em- M. R. S. They don't give this guy's name. Oh, M. R. S. Is the Lord that? Yeah, yeah this okay, guy yeah, actually
0: yeah. never gives his name, and and Land kind of gets pissed off about it. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this guy's brought over by one of Land's people named rakim yeah and interesting thing about rakim before i move on they just mentioned this rakim has a scar on his throat um from an aiel arrow from a battle and he's very like proud of it and shows it off and he Mm -hmm. seems to take major chances in battle like he's very foolhardy very lucky to be alive
1: yeah hmm
0: sounds familiar to me a guy with a scar on his throat and oh, like has Matt. a lot of fun. Got luck. it. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just interesting to me. Just saying. A scar in his neck. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking <laughs> too far into this. Uh, anyway. So this is Rakim, the guy who brought over the, the Ty- Tyrian Lord on the um, horse, and he's like, "Here you go." Uh, the guy doesn't introduce himself, and Land thinks these people are so rude. He says that he's there on behalf of Lord Emaris or Emiris, and that there are hundreds of Aiel, and they are all heading east, which is unusual. Uh, they're not going; they're going a different place from where they expect them to go. They're heading away from the river, and they're heading t- like through the snow, and it's weird. And they th- th- that they need help. They want to plan this like uh, trap, sort of called. It, like the anchor and the hammer. Yeah, the uh, anchor and hammer
1: the, and the anvil. Hammer and
0: the anvil, thank you. The hammer and the anvil. Um, and they they need them to be the anvil, and they need to go to a place called the hook. So a lot of code words for now. And Lan's like, hmm, he hates how impolite the Southlanders are. Uh, but he agrees to go, and he'll meet by first light. And he it's noted that he doesn't really know who this, like, Lord Emerus is. He's never heard of him. But there are like a ton of people. At, there's 300 people at his camp. There's like 200,000 people or something, in this like coalition, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's basically like all of the nations banded together to fight the IEL. Yeah,
0: so it could for him to not know the person isn't unusual. But I'm yeah. already worried. So, <laughs> um, he has no idea what this person is, but he's like, I'll go and I'll go meet him and we'll figure it out. And Bukama shouts for all the men at the camp to wake up and ride, and the Tyrian guy warns them to ride hard. Lan forms the image of a flame in his mind, and he feeds all of his emotion into it, and he's floating in the void, and he's achieving Kodi? 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 Sure. Okay. Uh, which is like the oneness, and it makes him... You know, like we've seen with Rand. It makes him one with the ground and his sword, and he can, you know, focus and all of that. And then he turns to his men and says, let's go. Uh, Bukama <laughs> and... Ugh, these names. I'm gonna, I'm going to get better at these names, I promise. Kenedrin, Sure. <laughs> Bukama and Kinedrin are are these two guys that are, like, um, with him in battle... Canedran is charged with taking care of something named Cat Dancer, which I think is Lan's horse? Yes. Okay. I was very confused in this part of the chapter. I read it, like, three times. I was like, what the... is Cat Dancer. (laughs) Um, So I guess he's, like, taking care of his horse. Um, While they're, like, you know, rallying the troops and heading out, Bukama and... Because they're heading towards this place called the Hook now. um, Bukama and Lan are discussing... The challenges of you know if the anvil or the hammer in this ploy or in this like you know tactic are not in place at the right time and how important it important it is that they get there and that you know no one's left out you know on their own because if either the hammer or the anvil are left by their own the Iel will kill them both they think so yeah they're riding on they make it to the hook pretty quickly um, they the hook is sort of like a high ridge sort of um, I'm kind of thinking like <laughs> Pride Rock, <laughs> or like an <in>, um <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like a overhang, sort of like cliff um, that looks out into off into the distance. But it's really easy to see anyone who would be up on this hook. So yeah. they go to this area of this hook, um, and Lan arranges all of his men along the crest of it, which is like about a, a little less than a mile long. It says, and lan is looking out into the distance he can kind of make out the tower of tarvalon but it's really hard to really make out the shape of it because it's dwarfed in size by uh dragon mount and uh there's a lot of talk about how big it is and yada da da da, da. and there's a smoking peak at the top of dragon mount which is an ominous sign to everybody of this prophecy that no one wants fulfilled the army, uh, lands army, like drive their lances into the ground, and they all cock their arrows or get ready to, you know, strike. Because I think the plan is when the Aiel come forward to strike the smaller army, they're going to try to, you know, shower them with arrows while they're fa- uh, like in pursuit or just far enough away. And yeah. as long as they don't stop and have like an arrow off, <laughs> then they'll be okay. Because yeah, um, you know that would suck, but. They're they're thinking the Aiel are savage, and they're just going to, you know, pillage towards them, and this is the best bet they have. So they know that the Aiel, ha- Aiel have higher numbers than them, but they don't really know how high. Um, but they're just waiting and seeing what happens now. And then time is passing. They kind of, like, get cloaked by nighttime. And then they see a column of i a- or Land sees from the distance. He's got a spyglass. He sees a, like, column of Aiel come out from the trees or whatever, or from the forest, and he's like, okay. And so he embraces the oneness, and he looks through. He sees they're about a mile off, but they're not really having a hard time getting through the snowy landscape. Uh, So Lan knows it's time. He sees that they're all veiled, and they all have spears, which he doesn't really know what that means, but we know that means they're, like, ready to go. And then we hear trumpets in the distance, which I still don't know if I'm supposed to know what the trumpets are. I don't know what the trumpets no. are. Okay. Not yet. So there's trumpets in the distance, and they keep happening one after another in sequence. And I think he hears about five Blair out. Um, and the Aiel, some of them seem to notice it, but he doesn't know if they're noticing it or if they're, like, aware that there's, like, an attack coming from behind. And as they're, like, pouring out from all over the amount of them increases to ultimately, like, 2,000 plus. And Hukama says, embrace death. Delightful. Positive <laughs> affirmations. But they all kind of say it. They all know. I guess this is kind of like a ready ourselves because they're ready to yeah. to face death if it means, like, the greater good. And yeah. they all know this is a reality they might be facing, Lan can see that his army is all ready to go, and he's really conflicted because he doesn't know where the hammer is in this situation if they're close by. And he sees that the Aiel have this massive army, which is, like, way bigger than they thought, and enough to take both him and Emerus' people if they come back anyway. And then he sees that, like, as the Aiel all pour out, they kind of unexpectedly come to a halt just out of arrow range. Mm-hmm. and they, half of them kind of about face and look in the other d- direction. And he's like, what the hell? Are they just, like, looking? Was it the horns? Um, are they ready for the attack from behind? And there's this moment of, like, what the hell are we going to do? And as he's looking through a spy class, he sees that a couple of the Aeol in the front are peering towards his men up on the ridge, mm-hmm. and he thinks it's impossible that they can really make out any of them um, other than like shapes in the distance in the dark, but it seems like there's some sort of conversation happening about them, and then the Aiel shout out on Elaine, which in is Old Tongue, and Lan only can roughly translate this to one man alone, and he's like that's weird, um, and then they all kind of face the same way again, and they march on, but they don't go towards like. Lands people to fight them they kind of <laughs> sneak around them or like skirt around them
1: mm-hmm. and
0: just keep heading east and Lan's men are mystified uh, they're a mixture of disappointed and maybe relieved and wondering like what the hell just happened and Bukama asks do you think we should follow them and Land says let's just talk to Lord Emerus about all of this when he gets here. And that is the end of the chapter.
1: Well, good job. Thank you. Are you ready for chapter two? I am ready. All right. Well, this chapter is called A Wish Fulfilled. And the sigil for it is the Wheel of Time. So it's like fate, destiny, the pattern, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it's a Moraine chapter. Yay. Were you surprised to see that we went so far back that Moraine was still unaccepted?
0: Yeah, I was surprised that Moiraine wasn't accepted, that Lan was not connected to the Aes Sedai whatsoever,
1: and that they didn't know each other. Yeah. That was shocking. It's... All of it. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> well. She is in the sitting room of the current Amerlin seat, and she's kind of standing in front of a big window that's letting in a lot of cold air, and she hasn't yet learned the the trick of the Aes eye of how to ignore the temperature, because, as I said, she's just an accepted. Mm-hmm. And she's basically, like, in attendance, waiting for orders from the Amerlin seat, uh, with another accepted, who is Swan. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading this chapter, and whenever I read this book, I'm like, the people who are, like, they're just friends, they're not in love with each other, like, clearly are not paying attention to the inner dialogue of these characters when they are interacting with each other. Because Maureen, her, like, inner dialogue about Swan is, like, so adoring and, like, clearly in love with her. But yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, knowing that going in... I don't know. I don't. I don't think it would have changed my mind if I hadn't, because right. it's it's really clear. And yeah, I mean, it's one chapter already. I've only read, right. And I was like, oh, how cute already. Um, yeah. And I have to say, when I was reading this chapter, uh, they mentioned like it's from Moiraine's point of view, and she mentioned she's in the room with Swan, mm-hmm. and I knew she was around the Amarylline
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and I didn't at first make the connection that Swan wasn't the Emmerlin. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Until, like, they mention a different name. And I was like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Because they don't really mention Swan too much at first. She's in the room, and then we don't really hear from her until a little bit later. Yeah. So I was also caught off guard by that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they're there with the current Amaralyn, whose name is Tamara Ospenya. And uh, she's an Sedai that Moraine admires greatly because she... Is very, like, powerful, very smart, very fair and just, but also, like, a really kind woman, which, you know, she admires all of those qualities in her. Mm -hmm. Um, And with her is her keeper of the chronicles, so the Leanne equivalent, or uh, now the Alvieran equivalent, I guess. Uh, Guitara Moroso, who is also just and fair, but rarely kind, or, like, RJ says, like, Kindness rarely occurred to her, so she seems like somebody who's just, like, super blunt and, like, to the point and doesn't really spend a lot of time being precious with people.
0: Yeah, I just got a badass name, too.
1: Yes, I like her name a lot. Um, and she's also super old, um, despite her ageless face. Uh, rumors in the White Tower are that she's over 300 years old, which is pretty old even for an Aes Sedai. Hmm. But that is not what makes her... Uh, not the only thing that makes her so exceptional. She also has the talent of foretelling, uh, which is a pretty rare talent. The only other Aes I really that we know of who has that is Elida. Um, and it, it's the talent itself is rare, but also like the foretellings happen not super frequently either Mm -hmm. uh and so moiraine always hopes that like she'll be present when one happens so she can kind of like witness it happening
0: like a comet
1: like a comet because it happens so rarely (laughs) 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 so uh she and swan have been attending these two for almost four hours just kind of like standing there waiting to get any order um, while Tamara and Guitara, uh, who my autocorrect, by the way, constantly wanted to change to guitar. Um, <laughs> they've been kind of like examining reports and writing le- messages and letters. But Moiraine kind of like finally realizes that they've both been sort of just like staring blankly at whatever they're looking at and haven't really been doing any writing or reading that they're sort of clearly their thoughts are occupied by something else. And she's like, Oh, like what would have them so preoccupied and so worried because she had seen uh, Tamra the day before and was, you know, Tamra was full of confidence, uh, you know, self-assurance knew what she was doing. And so she's like, something must've happened in the last day. Uh, maybe Guitara had another foretelling. And so she tries to kind of like logic out what Could have happened, what they could have learned that might have had them so worried. And so she starts to, like, think through all the aspects of the battle outside, the, you know, Aiel, the defenses of the city, etc. And then uh, RJ writes... Out of the corner of her eye, Moiraine saw Swan smiling at her. That smile turned Swan's face from handsome to pretty and made her clear blue eyes twinkle. Moiraine could not help smiling back. Swan had that gift, making her smile when she wanted to frown and laugh when she wanted to weep. And my note just says, they're in love with each other, your honor. (laughs) So Case closed. (laughs) Yeah, case closed. The defense rests. Um, so Swan knows that Moraine is trying to logic through what could have caused this nervousness in the Amaralyn and the Keeper. And so she quietly whispers to Moraine that, like, we'll find out when we find out. And we learn a little bit more about their backstories and that they have some similarities, both being orphans and both being born with the, you know, spark to channel. Uh, But as we know, Swan was born poor, in tear, it, which is a country that you know shuns channelers. Well, Moiraine had been born rich in Kyrian and had had like a ball thrown in her honor when it was learned that she was going to be going to the Tower. So they have some pretty distinct life life differences as well. Mm-hmm. But Moiraine really admires Swan's brain and how like expert she is at puzzles and she's such a fast learner. And uh, we learned that. Other than, you know, those things, like, they've kind of been in lockstep with each other uh, when it came to, you know, how quickly they advanced in channeling. Mm -hmm. And that only one other uh, in recent memory had even matched the two of them and how quickly they advanced, and that was Elida who had finished <laughs> novice training in three years and accepted training in three years, which were both records. And it seems likely that the both of them will match that as well.
0: Well, you know Did what? you say... You, you look at her Yeah, I did. Because look at her now, okay? You're sitting in a tower. You can't trust anybody. Everybody kind of hates you. Your number one in charge is trying to take over from you and probably will. Look at you now. Look what you did. Sorry.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, Elida. Oh, Elida.
0: <sighs> I'm so upset with great Elida name, right now. Because I Still don't Still one think... of my
1: favorite names.
0: <laughs> it's a great name. I'm just, I'm very upset because for a moment I really thought maybe she was like an anti-hero.
1: Oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, maybe we'll see some of her in the book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, bup, 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 suddenly Tamara and Guitara hear hundreds of trumpets out through the windows. So the same trumpeting that we heard in Lan's chapter. And Tamara orders Moiraine to go find out if there's been any news from the battlefield and tell Swan to make some tea quickly. And so Moiraine heads out into the anteroom where she uh, there's a novice who's kind of like m- meant to receive any messages. And her name is Elin. And uh, Moiraine catches her basically reading like a bodice-ripping romance novel. <laughs> and she's like, Um, you shouldn't be reading that. That's embarrassing. How embarrassing for you. Um, and Elin, even though she is technically older than Moiraine, she has been a novice for more than seven years and had come to the tower at 18 years old. So she's a little old for, you know, any initiate of the tower and also just advancing very, very slowly, um, through the process. Um, even though she's older than Moiraine, uh, Moiraine, as an accepted, has, you know, a good amount of uh, sort of positional power above her. And so Elon is like, what's what's inappropriate about this book? And Moiraine is like, doesn't really want to answer that because there's subjects she, as a Kyrian, doesn't like talking about because they're kind of like prudish or very prim. Mm-hmm. And so she says to her that the librarians would be very put out if you returned one of their books in a damaged condition. And she feels really proud of herself for that response because it's a very Aes Sedai answer and, uh, you know, accepted and novices, like, practice uh, how to answer questions like an Aes Sedai kind of a minute from when they get in the tower. And we just get, like, a little glimpse into sort of the power structure of the tower of, you know, the accepted, two novices accepted are just like a step below Aes Sedai, but two Aes Sedai novices are just a small step above, or accepted are just a small step above novices. So it's just kind of like a funny, you know, perspective of power dynamics that I
0: enjoy. It's so weird seeing her in this position.
1: (laughs) I know, I was thinking about that. And I was like, I think one of the reasons I like this book so much is, uh, It's always, I think, interesting in any book to take a character and suddenly put them into a situation where their, like, role or their power or whatever is, like, really changed from the way we've seen them. Mm -hmm. And so I just really like seeing Moiraine in a really different place because in the main books, you know, she knows so much. She's sort of the position of authority. uh, And now it's like she's a student and kind of trying to... um, aspire to what we see her be in the later books
0: yeah and i think it's just so interesting that in the you know uh in the other books she has such a big personality and you know a lot about her and how she is mm-hmm. and at the same time she's as an eyes to die, holds so much back as far as like how she's feeling how she's really yeah. thinking about things Nothing she says, even though I love her, you can really, like, trust she means exactly what she says. And so she's so guarded and so – I think that's part of the reason she seems so kind of untouchable and all-powerful because she's so poised and mysterious and seems like there's so much more that you don't know under the surface. And seeing her Mm -hmm. so all out there and, like, all of her fears, all of her nerves, all of her thoughts – um, yeah with none of that is so interesting because it's so different but it's still s- moiraine you know what i mean
1: yes yeah, which is exactly
0: just, i i love it i love it
1: i also love like there's a mention of you know she has a pretty fiery temper <laughs> and how she's had to like manage that pretty well in the tower and it's like oh that's so interesting because we see flashes of that i think with like how she's had to like shepherd all of these unruly kids through the world in the earlier books mm-hmm. uh, but like it's so clearly for the most part controlled
0: yeah and it's such a mirror to Nynaeve and how yes <laughs> she um there's a lot of talk about how you have to for both Lan and Maureen there's conversations in both of these chapters it's literally just the first two chapters and in both of them there's conversation or dialogue inner dialogue about controlling your anger and how Mm -hmm. important it is for land before he goes into a battle to control his anger because he knows that if he goes into it angry, it's going to make bad decisions. And then same thing for Maureen. It says the same thing. She gets angry, but she has learned, as all people do have to in the tower, that you have to control your emotions and your anger. And it said Mm -hmm. um, she's able to do it better now, far better than she was within the first year. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, Nynaeve is kind of got interrupted within her first year of training. Yes. So if she had the same challenge herself, number one, it makes me feel more hopeful for Nynaeve. And number two, it's like they're so similar as well. Yes. And then it makes sense to me seeing how easily they clashed, Nynaeve and Moiraine, and how easily Lan and Nynaeve were able to connect. Yes. Anyway, I love it. I love these little parallels, because I just didn't expect them to be so... I don't want to say young, because I don't really know their age ages, really, in this moment, but, like, young in personality or, like, you know?
1: Development. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Well, we know that she is uh, under 25, because she's younger than Er Ellen, and I think... Or Elon I think she's, like, three years younger, so I think she's, like, 20... Somewhere in the 20 to 22 range. Wild. Maybe even a little younger. I don't know. I'll have to look at the math. But Elin, you know, she's like, has there been any news? And Elin is like, no, you know, I would have brought it immediately. And so Moiraine is like, go back to your reading. And then she realizes that she's just contradicted herself. And so she's like, quickly rushes away before Elin can see her blushing from embarrassment. Um, and as she heads back into the room, Swan hands her guitar's tea to take to her while she carries Tamra's. And as she's about to hand Guitara her tea, Gitara leaps to her feet and she's trembling and her eyes are wide with fear. And she says, he is born again. I feel him. The dragon takes his first breath on the slope of Dragon Mount. He is coming. He is coming. Light help us. Light help the world. He lies in the snow and cries like the thunder. He burns like the sun. And then she falls forward into Moiraine's arms all I could think about during this scene was, so this woman is much larger than Moraine, and she's like, Moraine's trying to like, you know, help hold her as she like falls to the ground. And all I could think about is that, that scene from Clue when the cook falls on Mr. Green and he's like, somebody help me, <laughs> uh, somebody help me, please. <laughs> as they're both basically like carried to the ground.
0: I also thought like that foretelling moment was like so intense. And then just yes. the way you were saying it just now those that exact quote i was like that could be a song that would be a good song like somehow i feel like
1: oh he lies in the snow and cries like the thunder he burns like the sun i'm into it yeah 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 that's the chorus we're talking about yeah. the character somebody write that yes call it the foretelling <laughs> i'm getting us... a vibe
0: like banana rama uh old old 80s vibe
1: i like that Good. Idea. um <laughs> So Tamara quickly jumps up and tries to, you know, heal Guitara, but Guitara has died. And Tamara is like, not now, not when I need you most. And she kind of like sighs and then looks at Moiraine and uh, Swan and is like, You're both intelligent and not deaf, unfortunately, and you know what Guitara just foretold. And they're both like they nod, because obviously they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tamara sighs and places the keeper's stole over her face over guitar's face not her own um and swan is like i'll go get a servant to you know take care of guitar's body and Tarma barks at her to stay and tells both of them you will tell no one about this not for any reason and if necessary you will lie even to a sister guitar died without speaking do you understand me and they both nod hastily, which uh, Moraine is kind of like shocked to be ordered to lie by an Sedai, much less the Amerlin seat, but has accepted they can still lie, so they're like, Okay, I guess, you know, we'll we've given an oath to the Amerlin, so we will do that. hmm And uh they tell she tells them to send in Elin to uh fetch Gitara's, you know, servant to take care of her. And reminds them not to say a word to anyone. And the conclusion of the chapter is Moraine thinking to herself, I wished to hear a foretelling, and what I received was a foretelling of doom. And now she wished very much that she had been more careful of what she wished for. Hmm. And that is the end of chapter two. Wow. I...
0: Okay, questions. Yes. This is like kind of a process question. I'm just curious. Okay. Yes. If so, now Swan and Moiraine have been <laughs> sworn to not tell, um, not tell anyone what just happened, right? So they're being told to lie. Yes. Let's say they tomorrow after this were raised to Aes Sedai. Yes. Would they technically be able to flat out lie about that? Because it was a lie that they were telling before they took the oath rod, so it's kind of like their truth?
1: No, or would they have to they... be
0: sneaky and do the Aes Sedai thing at best? If asked? They'd have to be
1: sneaky. Okay. Um, and Aes I Sedai I can tell a lie if they don't, if they think that they're telling the truth, but they both know. Yeah. And so if they were raised tomorrow and somebody, like, forced them directly to answer the question, they would have to say that yes, Guitara had a foretelling before she died.
0: And I think I know this already, but I'm just reminding myself. If they were to lie as Nice to die after they take the oath, does when they say they are they are unable to lie, does that mean they can't they physically can't, like liar liar style? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's not like they can actually lie and then there's a punishment. No. It's like they actually can't you do it. Cannot. If they actually had to say the words, they'd have to say the words. The pen is yes, royal blue.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay. If there was the color of a dress, they would be unable to say that it was the wrong color, basically.
0: Okay. And then, um, other question. And yes. if I don't need to know this yet, I don't, that's fine. I guess I've never thought about it. Since, um, guitar just died, presumably. Yes. Um... There needs to be another Keeper of the Chronicles, right? Correct. How, do we learn how that happens? Like, what that process is? I'm just kind of curious.
1: Um, we definitely see kind of, like, what how power structure changes when there's, like, a, a death or, you know, whatever is stepping down, all that kind of stuff uh, in in the coming chapters, yes.
0: Okay. Because so far, we've only seen a live, like... <laughs> Overthrowing,
1: <laughs> yes, a coup. <laughs> you know, yeah. a
0: coup where they took both down. Yeah, in regular, in history, in Wheel of Time history, does does it happen like when one I when one Amerlin dies or you know is shunned or what? However, they pass away. Only yeah. the Amerlin is replaced, or does they automatically get a new Keeper of the Chronicles? Is it like two independent things, or do they they have to be like kind of a pair raised together?
1: So typically, what would happen is if the Amerlin died, um, <clears throat> the sitters of each of the Ajas would elect a new Amerlin, mm-hmm. and then that Amerlin would choose her keeper of the chronicles.
0: So she could choose the same one, potentially, or she would just choose a new one.
1: What do you mean, choose the same one?
0: Like the keeper of the chronicles who was there when the Amerlin died? What happens to them?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if 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 an Amerlin died the new Ammerlin could in theory choose the sa- the Keeper of the Chronicles from the previous one. Yes.
0: But if not, then that Keeper just becomes like regular Aes nice Sedai, no yep. rank anymore. Exactly. Interesting. But if a Keeper dies, then the Ammerlin just chooses a new one. Or a one or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Those are just kind of uh, semantic-y type questions that came up when, yeah, no. when you were reading I was curious about. Because we've never really seen what happens next and I'm... I'm so curious what's going to happen next because I'm assuming Rand was just born. Yes. um, Which means Perrin and Matt were just born as well. Or, you know, same day at least. And that means that I think we're going to see... I don't know how much we're going to see in this book. I don't think we're going to see, you know, 15, 16 years or so. I wonder. Are we going to see that? (laughs) uh, Well, don't tell me. Don't tell me. But it makes me wonder, like, if we're going to see all of that time pass? Are we going to also see... I'm just kind of curious where we're going. I'm wondering what other characters we're going to see viewpoints from. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just... I'm really shocked at... Again, I cannot get over how... The the place we're coming into this book at with Lan and Maureen. I just assumed they were going to be on their adventure already. You know what I mean? (laughs) Kind of like how we started the show, I guess. Yeah. Like somewhere in that zone... (laughs) I'm excited.
1: Yeah. I like this book a lot because, uh, as I've said many times, my favorite part of this book series are the Aes Sedai, Mm -hmm. and I love politics, and we get a lot of Aes Sedai and a lot of politics in this this book, so it's one of my favorites for that reason.
0: Yeah, and I thought we were going to get right out into, like, an adventure to find Rand and all them. I didn't know we were going back in time to, like, the foretelling of of this, and I didn't know that we were gonna see possibly a journey of Moiraine being raised to Aes Sedai.
1: Yeah. It's kind of fun. I really like that we got that moment of the foretelling though. Like I thought that was really a fun beginning.
0: Me too. I hope we see some of the other like established Aes Sedai characters. Mm-hmm. Um like Sheryim and Varen and, you know, uh Elida and all all of the above. I just hope we yeah. see some of them in, in like different lights, possibly yeah. in different stages of their development, or just like how they interact with the current Aes Sedai characters when they're not you Yeah, know, quite so established. I'm
1: excited. It's kinda of funny. It feels um it's sort of like the muppet babies version of the muppets like we've got we've got the sort of like adolescent version of the character that was like a fully developed realized character by the time we started the series
0: Ooh, muppet babies and muppets that should be something we <laughs> add to our uh, our reboot list
1: <laughs> uh all right well oh did we
0: do our we didn't do our favorite parts
1: Oh, okay. Uh, what was your favorite part?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, I should have thought about that before I suggested it, huh? Um, I think my favorite should've. part was the moment of Moiraine and um, and Swan in the room getting the foretelling. I think that was my yeah. favorite moment. Because it was like, I kind of saw it. I could like almost picture her like... Guitara like standing up straight, like possessed by something and like her eyes all blank and like her head flying backwards and the words yeah. coming out of, I just see the whole moment and the collapse. And there was also a moment in that, that I thought was really cool where um we're seeing it through Moiraine's eyes and the ink spills across the page that the, mm-hmm. um that guitar was writing on before this happened. And, after that, she also notices um, something else kind of like inconsequential in the room, like something that broke or something. I don't remember. And she's like, Oh, oh yeah, the teacup. The teacup. And she's like, Oh, f- that they didn't break. Um, and she's like, Funny the things that you don't notice when, or funny the things you notice when you're trying to distract yourself or something. Yeah. And then she's like, You know, moves on. But I thought it was interesting that the first thing she noticed was the ink spilling across the page so you can't read what she was writing. And, I mean, she was sitting there over the page the whole time with the pen, like, waiting to write something. And even though she shouted that, I wonder if there was something else that we just will never know about. Yeah. Anyway, that was my favorite part because there was a lot of intrigue and mystery to it, too. And um, what about you?
1: Um, well, so I just texted you a picture from the graphic novels of that moment of Guitara's foretelling. Because as you were describing it, I was like, oh, you might want to see how it was oh my God. visually rendered. I'm
0: looking at it. This is like exactly what I picture. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think my favorite part is uh, just the little like lovey eyeballs that Moiraine and Swan make at each other. And like the <laughs> way they understand each, oth- uh, each other and like know each other really well and moiraine's like dialogue about how she admires swan and her strengths and all of that like it's just so cute and i love it so that's definitely my favorite part of this chapter i think
0: uh, i yeah i love i love the interactions and the, the different things that we're seeing like the different yeah. sides we're gonna see these characters and it's interesting to see them put in a similar position to the Emmons fielders yeah they seem definitely. so far evolved from when we meet them in the in that uh, timeline 100 percent yeah, that's pretty Um loud.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's interesting also just to think about like if they're both accepted right now, and this is the moment that Rand is born, and you know Rand is around twenty years old at the time that the series begins, uh, when Moiraine finds him. Then within the next twenty years, Swan is going to become Amelien's seat, and Moiraine will be out there hunting for the Dragon Reborn. So just like thinking about how does it get to that point is interesting.
0: Yeah, and how does how does Lan become bonded to her?
1: Uh yes. because
0: right now he's like, Yeah, Aes Sedai are out there. I don't hate them, but I certainly don't, <laughs> I don't trust, trust them. Yeah. yeah. And his his worry is becoming in his mind just how Rand feels like stuck in their in their web and there's always a hook and like a line that they attach to you and whatever. And hmm. he's just thinking about it in the sense that other men think about Aes Sedai, maybe like, oh, they always try to weave you in the web and, to you yeah, yeah but he's actually going to become physically bonded to her <laughs> <laughs> yeah um which how did we get from there to here in that time frame as well yeah exactly. you know exactly mm-hmm. all right everyone I know your phone is either in your hands or within your reach so pick it up go to the podcast app that you're using and subscribe and while you're there rate and review us because that's really the best way to get other people to sh- see our show
1: that's right. also uh, tell a friend who might be interested because word of mouth is the number one pay- way blah, 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 that people try a new podcast.
0: And we love connecting with our listeners. So send us an email at coolstorypod at gmail.com send us anything you could send us feedback or just a note.
1: tell us why you love or hate us whatever you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not really interested in notes about why you hate us. Thank you. <laughs> you know
0: I might be no- I might be interested in just notes about why you hate me just for for the fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, you can find
1: us on Instagram and Facebook at CoolStoryPod. Twitter is CoolStoryPod1. Also, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash nandmat, and you get cool bonus episodes where we play games and review movies and TV shows. We just recently reviewed and released an episode of the uh 90s cartoon gargoyles uh, so if you just enjoy listening to us you should subscribe to our patreon
0: definitely and if you want you can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash n and thanks for listening to cool story see you next week bye, bye. you know we're gonna see how this goes it's the first episode let us
1: know Please. I think most people like most people who listen to our podcast have Subscribe. read some or all of the books and so I feel like they'll figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> Pardon me. Are you okay over there? <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I breathed in and I I don't know what happened. I I don't know how to breathe. Um how my how am I supposed to breathe with no air as a It literally that sounded like woman? a
1: um like Mario when he throws a bomb into um like King Toad in the in the second Mario game. <laughs> this might be an outtake. <laughs> I might have to include this because you're making me laugh. Uh,
0: okay, so what I was gonna say.